I'll be reading from my husband, chapter 22. Okay, we're going to stand up for the word of God. Chapter 22, Genesis. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose, he went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, he laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, he took the ram, he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I don't need that. Okay, this is, uh, if you're maybe new to the church or just started to seek the things of God, this is a very famous passage in the Bible, and it's uh, a passage where, if you're a Christian, you know it well, it's about Abraham, as we, as we understand, God brings him to a place where he tests him, and every believer, sooner or later, will be tested by God. Because we are a tested people. God tests us. He refines us. 
because he desires to, ref to make us as gold. And this is uh, a test that, that some of us have trouble relating to. And it's a, it's a test where, for Abraham, it, it, you could say it was a test where everything seemed contradictory because he, he knew God had put him in this land to take this land from the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were evil and they were sacrificing children. And he knew God hated that practice. And yet he was telling him, go and do the same with your son. So it was a test of, uh, of great contradiction. And we know at the end of the test, Abraham receives a fresh revelation of who God is. He calls the mountain Jehovah-Jireh. It's a fresh revelation of who God is, the God who provides. And whenever you're in a place where God is doing something in your life that seems difficult and contradictory, get ready for fresh revelation because that's how God operates. He brings us to places of difficulty and testing only that we discover deeper dimensions of who he is. And we know this test was not an easy test for Abraham, but we also know that Abraham had been brought to a place. God says to him, take your son. It's, it's amazing the gospel parallels here. We know this is a type of the gospel, but it's amazing because God tested him and said to him, take your son, your only son. Of course, God sacrificed his only begotten son, whom you love. God loved the son that he offered up and offer him up as a burnt offering. So we see this is a type because in the scriptures there are types. The Bible says there are examples and types. These are examples and types for us to whom the end of the age has come. So we see the sacrificing of Isaac as a type of the gospel. You see that Abraham is a type of the father. Isaac is a type of the son. They walk on and they are carrying, in those days, the fire was carried in a censer. And the censer is a type of the Holy Spirit. Fire. And the wood is there which the sacrifice is going to be offered upon. That's the cross. And of course, we know that um, Abraham had brought to this to a place and... and God tells him to do this. God tells him to take your only son, Isaac, and go and offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And one of the things that, that is really pertinent here, when God gives you a, a command, maybe it's a difficult command sometimes. God gives you instructions sometime. One of the things Abram did, he didn't tell anyone, but he rose early in the morning. He did it straight away. God tells you to do something, don't think about it because you'll outthink it, but just obey. Even when you don't understand, but you know it's God, you just obey it and you'll never lose. So he takes two of his young men and his sons and they took the, the wood and, and they go to the place that God told him. And, and when they got there, Abraham leaves the two young men and takes his young son Isaac and says, we're going off to worship and I'll come back to you. And that tells you, God, God never gives you a test that you are not able to pass. Abraham, Hebrew, Hebrews said, Abraham had been brought, in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 7, it says, Abraham had been brought to a place in his faith, 
And he knew in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So Isaac would be the, the seed that many nations would come from. And he said, he concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, which he received him back in a figurative sense. So God had brought Abraham to a place where he knew that Isaac was the one who all the nations was going to be coming through. He also knew that Isaac was the one who the Messiah was going to come through because Jesus Christ said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. So he knew in Isaac was the seed of the, of the nation Israel. He knew in Isaac the Messiah was going to come. And he knew, even though he didn't understand, that God could order him to act, sacrifice his son and somehow this son would come back to life. He'd receive him back from the dead. He didn't understand it in his mind. He couldn't figure out but he'd been brought to a... How does a man come to that sort of faith? That's what I want to ask. How do you come to that sort of faith to pass those tests and God asks you to pass that are so difficult? Tests of obedience. And you see, here he was. Abraham come out of Ur, which is Babylon. So they worshipped other gods. And he came to a land. There wasn't any church. And there wasn't anyone else, people there to teach him. He was in a land that was full of pagans. It was a wicked land, Canaan. How did he come to that place? Because this is a place where he was able to fully trust and obey God. To do what God told him to do when he didn't even understand it. Sacrifice his son. I tell you how. The same way we come to places in our faith. It's from faith to faith. Faith builds upon faith. And you see, throughout the book of, uh, of Genesis, we see God building a man, like, and, and, and he's got to build men and women of faith, but he builds faith upon faith. And one of the significant times in Abraham's development, he hears the word of God, God speaks to him in Genesis 12, but in Genesis 14, he fights this battle, is, is, I don't want to go into the whole story, but his, his nephew Lot is taken away and, uh, by these raiding kings. And these, these kings, five kings, take Lot out of Sodom. And Sodom represents, always represents wickedness. And then as he comes back from this battle, he, he, he delivers all the people who are taken from Sodom. He wins this fight, wins this battle, and he's bringing back all these people from, from the battle. And he meets this king called Melchizedek. It's in chapter 14, verse 18. And this king called Melchizedek is a priest and a king of Salem, which is where you get Jerusalem, and Salem means peace. So this priest and king Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Some people believe it was Christ. And he comes out with bread and wine, a covenant meal, and he says to him in verse 18, Melchizedek came to Abraham with bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him. Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. That's, what, that's the blessing that Melchizedek placed upon Abram. And when Abraham met this priest who gave him a revelation 
that God, this is a new name for Abraham, that God, blessed be God, be, blessed be Abraham of God most high and blessed be God most, that the word in, in Hebrew is El Elyon. And so what he was saying, he says, I'm blessing you with the God, El Elyon, who is most high. If you want to use other languages, like this is God the boss. He's boss of all. And he says, he is possessor of heaven and earth. So Abraham was given his revelation when he met Melchizedek, who's a type of Christ, and he unveiled the revelation of the heavenly father who was creator and possessor of everything. So he didn't know that before. He just knew he'd met this God, but now he gets his revelation that God is the boss of all. He's the creator of all. He is a possessor of all. That's his first revelation of God. And then he, because he's human, you know, this is, this is so encouraging to me. Abraham is a human guy. And, and you can have great faith and you can pass every test and you're not some sort of super saint. I, in fact, Abraham gave his wife to another man to be in his harem. My wife would kill me if I did that. But, <laughs> but uh, he was no super saint. But he did these things. And, um, and then after this time he has with, it's interesting, just to digress, Melchizedek comes, so he has a revelation of a type of Christ who reveals the one true God. And as soon as he gets that revelation, the king of Sodom, who represents Satan, the, the, the king of the wicked nation, comes out and offers him. Look what he does. He offers him. Uh, he says, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. Now, the, the king of Sodom had a lot of good. He had donkeys. He, it's like he offered him wealth beyond you can imagine for the people that he just won from Sodom. These are all types. But anyway, he has this revelation from Melchizedek of God, that he possesses all, he's the creator, he's boss of all. And then he goes on from there and he starts to backslide. And uh, his wife Hagar comes to him and he, his faith, you know, after a few years, his faith wavers. And people can have a revelation and they can waver. They can question what they've, they've heard. And of course, we know his wife comes to him and says, look, God's been slow on this promise. We know he's got a promise. We, we can just help God out. You know, it's, it's not happening. Um, and it's not happening supernaturally, so we'll create it, make it happen by doing something natural. And uh, every promise of God is fulfilled by God alone. But they help God out and they create Ishmael. We know the story. Ishmael is, um, is not the one that God is going to bring the Messiah through. He's not the one God promised. And so in chapter 17, the angel turns up to Abraham. And Abraham's, he's now 99 years old. He's 99 years old. And it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be, and be blameless. Now, this is a different name. This is a second name of God. This is El Shaddai. So first he's got the revelation that God is 
above everything. He's a boss and he created everything. He possesses, owns everything. And the second, El Shaddai, means almighty. It means I can do anything. So he gets a second revelation that this God who made, created, possessed anything can do anything. There's nothing of nature that can stop him. And this revelation became real in his heart. So he knew God as creator, possessor, but also he knew El Shaddai. He knew God was almighty and there was nothing he can't do. And you have to have that knowledge in you. You have to have that knowledge of who God is, what his names, what they mean, because faith is built on revelation not information of who God is. And so he's got this growing revelation, and not until he has this revelation does God test him like this. Because God is so good, he doesn't give you tests that you're not going to pass. He positions you for success, not for failure. And so he brings him to the place, and he says to him, Abraham, Take your son, and off they go. And off they go, and after a while, they're walking, and uh, Abraham says he took the wood and laid it on the lad, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went off together. And verse 7, Isaac speaks to Abraham and says, Here I am, Father, and he says, Here I am. He says, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And basically, he, he, he knew at this stage, El Shaddai, that God could provide for himself. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to come out of God. God is just, there's nothing he can't do. He says he's going to provide for himself with no human help what we need. And so on they go, and it says they came to a place, and it's very interesting, this place, Moriah, is the exact same place as Calvary, Golgotha, where the sun is laid down on an altar, on timber, and offered as a sacrifice. And it's interesting, it says, Abraham built an altar and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. You ever seen those pictures? I don't know, you've seen them in books, where Abraham is, you know, tying this young man down, and the young man is trying to fight back? Not like that at all. If you do that, if you do the timeline, Abraham's got to be 125. Isaac's like he's a grown man, 25 years old. And he has, because Abraham is a, he's a, 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 a picture for us of a man of faith. He has imparted his faith to his son. This, this Isaac knew exactly, and he believed exactly what his father believed, that though he, was, he would be laid down, he would come back to life. And he believed it, and he said, we're going to do this. And even if, even if he don't come back to life, I'm going to offer myself because we've heard from God. So he's going and they're laying down their life in obedience. And he, as he stretched out his hand to slay his son, he lifts the knife and God calls to him from heaven, Abraham. And he says, don't lay your hand on the son, nor do anything to him. For I know now that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, 
and your only son for me. Every test, God knows everything knowledge-wise, but not experientially. That's why we get tested. And so he says, since you have not withheld your son, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Or in Hebrew, Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh. And a lot of people, they speak about Jehovah Jireh. And they talk about the provision of God, Jehovah Jireh, in, in often Christians speak in purely material forms. Here's my Zenia suit, Jehovah Jireh. Here's my BMW, Jehovah Jireh. But it, it's actually not what the text really says. What, what this, this passage is about, it's, it's about the word Jehovah, when, when he comes... And he lifts up the, he got, he's got his hand lifted up with the knife in his hand. And as he's doing this, even as they're going up the mountain with the, 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 the son Isaac, with the wood, with the fire, the censer, with the knife, what they realize is that very moment when they're going up to their test, God had a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. And it's very, very bizarre because rams would normally be in the valley where the grass is. But this ram is coming up because God's making him come up the hill to the top of the hill where there is no grass really. And at the exact moment, he gets stuck in a thicket. And instead of sacrificing his son, at the very moment he's going to sacrifice his son, Abraham looks over there and realizes, I don't have to because God has provided the means for the test. And what, what Jehovah Jireh means, it means firstly, provide, provision. It actually is to do with vision. And what it means, Jehovah Jireh really means, it means God sees you when you're tested. And it actually means more than that, is that he sees our needs through every test. And before we get there, he's already made provision for it. Doesn't that make you want to jump? Every test, he sees it, but he all, he, he all sees, but has already made provision. You see this all through the scriptures. You ever wonder why Moses, he goes 40 years in the wilderness, and then God calls him. He leads the people of God out of Egypt, out of bondage, and he's going on his way, and they come to a place called Marah, and everyone's dying because they've got no water, and, 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 and they're in the desert, and they've gone three days, and they're angry at Moses. And Moses is there, and they start to drink the water at Moriah, and it's bitter. And right at that time, God says to Moses, there's a tree there. There's a tree. You know, trees take between 30 and 50 years in the desert to grow. 
And God made sure when he needed at the exact right time, God, when, even when Moses was, was going into the wilderness, God was planting that tree. He was making sure no storm could take that tree down. No worm or grub could eat that tree because he is a God. When you go through the test, he makes sure you have the provision that you need. He sees to it. And I want to tell you, I know this because I, when I was called to ministry, I was single. And there are things you need. God called me to nations. God called me to plant a church. God called me to a lot of things that I'm seeing fulfilled in my life. But you know what? You can't do it alone. You need a wife. And I know my, my wife's like, like, she's not like a natural wife. She's like superwoman. She says to me, like, when I got three kids, she says, you've got to go to nations. Because what I needed, the type of wife I needed, was born before I was born. God had her, and he gave it to me at the exact right time when we started this church. God just spoke about John. This church can't exist without a John, because if it was for me, I would forget to pay the light bill. That's just how I am. And, and at the exact right time, God knows what we need. And he provides for what we need beforehand. He sees our needs beforehand. And when we get to that place of testing, he makes sure. He makes sure. What is so extraordinary? If you keep reading the next passage, the next verses after this, this will blow you away. It speaks about, just, just, it seems to be incidental. But it's not incidental because nothing in Scripture is. It says that when Abraham passed this test, when he went home, they said, Oh, your brother Nahor has had a child. And it says the wife of Nahor, the mother, is going to have, a, a, she had a child, and that child is going to have a child called Rebekah, who is Isaac's wife in the future. It, it, what Isaac is going to need, even now, God is providing. And see, God, I believe God wants people to know in this time, because there are so many people that are becoming anxious about tomorrow, about supply, about things, about this and about that, what's going on in the world. God wants a people who actually understand that he possesses the cattle on a thousand hills. They're all his. He knows your address. He is almighty. There's no challenge that this world, no virus, no war that he is not in control of. And whatever test you come to, before you get there, he wants you to know he's made provision already. That's who Jehovah Jireh is. Whether it's a sickness, whether it's a, it's a financial thing, whether it's a marriage issue, when you get to that test, God has already made the provision for it. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. And this is what you, otherwise these scriptures don't make any sense. He, Romans 8, 28 says, He who did not spare his own son, how will he not now with him freely give us all things? All things means all things. Paul said, 
His grace is sufficient. He will supply all your needs according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You see, Jehovah Jireh all through the scriptures, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know why he makes me? Because God sees to it. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. When you get to that test, God's going to see to it. You've got all you need to pass it. And it's not just in terms of material things, not just things of what you're going to need, but you're, you're going to come to temptations. God's going to see to it. At that time you're tempted, you're going to weigh out. God's going to see to it at the exact right time. You get filled with the Holy Ghost and His power. All the promises of God this, this, this relates to because Abraham was walking into the promise of God. And Jehovah Jireh means that God is going to see that it's done. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God is going to see to it. No enemy is going to overcome you because God, when the battle comes, he's going to see to it. When you have a problem, God is going to be a shield to you because God is going to see to it. You're going to walk in white. You're going to walk worthy of God because every step God is going to see to it. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. He is the God who sees and will see to it. And he had that ram. You know, uh, I've often thought, it's really important to us understand because in this place, when God says, Jehovah Jireh, I'm going to see to it. What he's saying, he's saying, he's not only going to, he hasn't only seen to it the revelation that God provided the ram. But Abraham, from this point on, Abraham was carrying promises. He received them in chapter 12. I'm going to make you a great nation. Uh, I'm going to make your, your people more numerous than the stars. I'm going to bless you. Abraham came to a place here. He was carrying those promises. But from this time, God is actually saying to him, those promises from here on, I'm going to see to it. Now, in order to understand it, you've got to understand the difference between a promise in the Bible and an oath. This is God making an oath. So God, God does it first thing, God makes you a promise, but every promise in the Scripture is conditional. Conditional upon what? Upon obedience. And so this is, this is Abraham's great test. Previously, his obedience had been partial. God said, get out of, get out of Ur and take no one with you from your family, but he took Lot. Then he had a Hagar. But this is the place where Abraham arrives at the test where it, 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 he just says to God, um, I'm going to show you full commitment, faith and obedience, that there is nothing more important to me than you. And I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to trust you. And this is what it says. It says, uh, the test was whether he would fear God. But he, just fear just means revere God. So he, he arrived at the place where he said, God, this promise, this, this is command and this promise you've given me. This time I'm not going to do a Hagar. I'm not going to do a lot. I'm not going to partially obey you. 
I'm going to completely obey you because I revere that you are the creator, you're the possessor of all things, you are almighty, you can do anything, and I'm just going to obey you. You know, this promise, these are not just Bible stories. God wants us to understand that these are types. Yes, they're types of the cross. They're types of Jesus laying down his life for us. And there are types of Christ coming back from the dead. These are types of the, of the gospel. But it's also, this is also a type of what God will do for children who show full commitment through faith and obedience for him. When you arrive at the place where we say, I'm sold out to you, I, don't I will obey you whether I understand it or not, but I will, it says that he didn't withhold his son. I am going to choose God above everything. You know what that's called? When you get to that place, when you walk with God, you're so sold out, you're so convinced of who he is, that you say, Whatever you tell me, God, I will do it. You know what that place is called? It's called worship. Worship is not an utterance, it's an attitude. Look at verse 5. Abraham said to the young man, we will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. Worship is the key to your Jehovah Jireh. Worship is what leads you into God seeing to it for you. Jehovah Jireh is about provision. God will provide. He'll see to it. And it's to do with prevision as well. You get the provision of God when you have the prevision of who he is. He is almighty. He is El Elyon. He is El Shaddai. If you see him as that, you believe him as that, you'll come into his provision. If you choose God over everything else that is important to you. If you choose God over what humanly you love most, when you get to your tests, God will come with a solution from nowhere. God himself will provide. <laughs> Just from nowhere. Just from nowhere. God just going to create it. God just going to make that ram come up the other side of the mountain. What you need at the moment, God is just going to bring it to you from nowhere. This is who he is. Anything less than that is not faith. But when you come to that place where you say, God, nothing's more important than you, your promises start to become oaths. Do you know what a walk of faith is like, like Abraham? Abraham spent a season learning about God, going up the mountain. It's like going up a mountain, and he's strong, and then he's weak, and he's strong, and he's weak, and then he has an Ishmael, then he takes Lot. And, but it gets to the place where it says he waxed not and was fully persuaded. You know what happens when you get fully persuaded? 
It's called the place of inevitability when promise becomes oath. It's like when you're going up a mountain, you don't go up forever. You get to the top and you start coming down the other side. That's when God starts fulfilling his promises to you because you're completely sold out to him. Where every promise starts to manifest as yes and I am because God himself is seeing to it. That's what it means. And you know, the names of God, these are not meant to be just Bible stories. Because a lot of these, oh, they're like Bibles, so they, they lose their, their power. These are types. They are types. Examples to us to whom the end of the age has come. God wants to give you revelation that he is first the boss. Everything he owns. Cattle on a thousand hills, it's all his. If you don't believe that, there's no use saying that he will supply all my needs according to the riches. In me. How can he if he doesn't own it all? He owns it all. Secondly, there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't do. Give things back from the dead. Heal every disease, open doors that man can't open. There's nothing he cannot, he's not limited by nature, not limited by reason, not limited by any human things. God, God wants to give you the revelation that he is El Shaddai. He is the boss of all, owns all, creator of all, and he is almighty. And when we walk before him, where he is the most important, obeying him, believing him is the most important thing in our life, he becomes Jehovah Jireh, who sees that we won't fail. He sees to it that you pass every test, that you have everything you're needed, that at every, at every, at every point where you're facing jeopardy, you'll know God's already gone ahead of you. He's already made provision. It's going to manifest exactly when you need it. What, you know what you're supposed to do with a name? When you get revelation as Abraham, his faith grew on unfolding revelation of who God is through his name. You're supposed to just have head knowledge of his names, be able to show you, yeah, yeah Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah my banner, Jehovah this, Jehovah Rapha. You're not just supposed to know them. This is what it says. Proverbs 18, 10 says, it says the righteous, let me read it. Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. That means when you've got a problem, you chain yourself to the integrity of God's promise. And you say, even if I die here, I'm not moving. Like Isaac, God, you are faithful. Own everything, you're almighty. And you will provide. You will see to it in this challenge. And all I'm doing, I'm chaining myself to your integrity, and I'm not moving, I'm going to continue to trust you and obey you. And every time you live in that place, you will find... That at the exact right time, not when you want, but the exact right time, God will see to it that no weapon forms against you will prosper. 
that he is your shield and your great reward, that the Holy Spirit will come and fill you with power, that you, he is your shepherd, you shall have no want. He will see to it. He will see to it. We see here in conclusion that the Lamb, of course, prefigures Christ. And the Lamb was the substitute. And God sees to it that our needs were met because animal sacrifices was never going to cut it permanently. And what the gospel tells us, and this prefigures, is that our greatest need, your greatest need, everyone's greatest need, is that sin be permanently forgiven. And this prefigures the gospel where Christ has, God has seen to it that your greatest need has been met. He provided the lamb. He provided the lamb. You are forgiven. He has seen to it. Your past, present, future sins have been forgiven because the lamb, the substitutory lamb, was slain on this very, very same place. And as you accept Jesus Christ, he sees to it that your sins are permanently forgiven. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. God himself sees to it. But also, if you've accepted Christ, this is what he wants you to know. This is how he wants you to walk before him. See, God wants his children in this season to be walking in what is the rest of faith. doesn't mean that you're not unwise or wise like Joseph and you may put a few extra things in your pantry. But there are so many people, I've met Christians now, they see what is happening in the world and they're just going crazy about we got to do this and we got to do that and we got to do that and we got to. I want to tell you, whatever challenges ahead, if you walk before God, trusting Him and obeying Him, whatever situation we face, God Himself is going to see to it. He's going to see. He sees you. And not only that, He knows what we're going to go through in the future. He knows the wars. He knows the pestilence. He knows everything that's coming. He's already made provision. It's already there. And God wants you to walk in the rest of faith, knowing whatever challenge you get to when you get there. The lamb is already coming up the other side. The provision is made. It's on the way. It's going to manifest at the exact right time. That's who Jehovah Jireh is. He has already provided. The tree was planted as Moses went into the wilderness. And we serve a God who sees our needs ahead of time and has made provision. Made provision for your healing. Made provision for every battle you're going to go through. And if you trust him, he himself is going to see you get victory. He himself is going to see you healed. He himself is going to see you provided for because he is 
Jehovah, the provider who sees all and will see to it. I don't want to say any more than that. But I really believe God wants his children not to be anxious about tomorrow, and to let him to let you know he is in tomorrow. He is the alpha and the omega. And whatever challenge you're facing now or you're going to face in the future, for God's children who worship him, are true worshipers, the provision has already been made. It's there. When you get there, he's going to see to it that you receive it. Amen? Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands, start to praise him and bless him. Father God, I just want to praise you that you have revealed yourself through your name, that, Lord, you made everything, you control everything. There is nothing you can't do. You sit up and look at the nations and you laugh because, Lord, you are the one that's really in control. And I want to praise you, El Elyon. I want to praise you, El Shaddai. I want to praise you, Jehovah Rapha. I want to praise you, Jehovah Jireh. That because we know you, we know you've gone ahead of us. We know the provisioner is already waiting. And all we need to do is run into you. Not run from you. Not run around in circles. But run to you. And we will be saved over and over and over again. We bless you. Praise you. We are the apple of your eye. Your eye never leaves us. You see us. You watch over us. And in every battle, you see to it. You see too that we've got what we need. We want to bless you and praise you here today, Lord. That you are so committed to us and that we can rest in you. We can rest in you. Father God, I just come against every devil of anxiety, every spirit of fear that would hide itself as false wisdom, as demonic wisdom. I break your power in the name of Jesus Christ and we loose the congregation into kingdom faith kingdom faith and kingdom obedience to the great Jehovah Jireh, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen.